Welcome to Tech News of the Week with your host, The Screaming of 10,000 Monkeys. Welcome to Torch New Weeds with Python. Yeah, that, that worked out well. I've got Python on the brain, Chris, and I think we know why. It has something to do with AI. Is there a Python loose in your house? Maybe. You can't get the dog out of the Christmas tree to fight it? <laughs> Oh, I have visions of a dog being inside a python, and that's just no good. Uh, maybe we'll talk about our tech news and some interesting things there. And we're going to get away from AI, right? We're not going to talk about AI hardware, right? Fighting back against AI companies, harvesting images online with nightshade. I'll allow it. So AI is great, right? Great. Companies like Midjourney and Dolly can, can create you an image with just a simple prompt like, quote, Edward Scissorhands fights the lawnmower man in a Nelson Rockefeller oil painting. Or, quote, 15,000 cats look at you judgmentally as you frantically struggle to complete lightning round items hyper-realistic. <laughs> Nightmare fuel prompts the both of them. And the output, the, the output, the output is usually great. Or disturbing, which is also great. Yeah. But the problem is, in order to train that AI, companies had to kind of scrape images from literally everywhere on the internet without the express permission of the artists. As an aside, this is a hilarious turnaround of the whole the internet should be free argument, especially considering it's nearly impossible to stop this scraping, and in most cases, it's not illegal. <sighs> However, we can fight back, and lately we are fighting back with math. A team led by University of Chicago professor Ben Zhao has created an algorithm called Nightshade that, when applied to images, causes an AI engine to go bananas upon image ingestion. With only a hundred or so images, the AI model will suddenly not be able to tell a dog from a cat or a hat from a cake, or a handbag from a toaster, all of which I find hilarious. Now, it is probably far too late for the curated inventory of purloined images in the archives of the open AIs of the world, but if nothing else, it's probably going to force a conversation that the billion-dollar company has so far been uninterested in having. Namely, what if we paid the artists? <laughs> Crazy talk, I know. Expect more information about Nightshade when it is globally unveiled at ACM's Computer and Communications Security Conference 2023, which happens at the end of November, at which time I will probably rerun this lightning round item basically word for word. Intel thinks that ARM CPUs are no big deal. Pat Gelsinger said on the most recent earnings call for Intel that, quote, ARM and Windows client alternatives Generally, they've been relegated to pretty insignificant roles in the PC business, end quote. A statement which is historically true. Gelsinger went on to claim that he doesn't see them being a threat to Intel and that Intel has a strong roadmap and momentum. While Pat is technically true, while Pat is technically right, <laughs> he's technically true as well. Congratulations to Pat. He is technically true, a real person. 
He's also right that ARM has not been much of a force in PC sales. But one only needs to look at three important trends for counterexamples. First, desktop and laptop sales have been on a slow decline for years due to phones and tablets being good enough for most folks. And you know what's in those devices? ARM chips. Apple, in particular, has armed all their devices with custom silicon that, in some cases, outperforms the previous x86 version and certainly does far better with power consumption. Lastly, Microsoft seems pretty serious about finally bringing ARM over to Windows, with Qualcomm and NVIDIA both developing ARM chips for the platform. If Windows can deliver on a Mac-level power consumption on an ARM CPU, that's a serious that leads to a serious chance of success. The biggest hurdle to cross is backwards compatibility, something that Apple had a much easier time achieving. Seriously, though, those M chips are awesome. That's that's what I hear. Um, if I could actually make the move over to uh, to a Mac, I would. But I tried it and I failed. Well, now there is a way, and this might be a lightning round item for next week. We can talk about the fact that you can actually install Linux on an M CPU on Apple. It's not supported by Apple, but it works now. Ooh. Okay. Anyway, back to this week's items. Cisco CVE with a severity of 10 remains an active and dangerous threat. To quote a great philosopher, a tan, a tan, a fucking tan. <laughs> a CVE with a 10. That's the worst kind. A 10 means that this is not only devastating in its effect, but also, quote, relatively easy to exploit, which in parlance means script kitty palooza. CVE 2023-2198, which, and I can't emphasize this enough, carries the maximum severity rating of 10, was announced last Monday, aka the 15th of October, I think. It was also announced as fixed, but then was re-announced as unfixed, or unfixelated, technical term. Mm -hmm. The bug resides in the web user interface of Cisco's iOS XE software which, when exposed to the internet or untrusted networks, is attackable. Mm -hmm. This means that any switch, router, or wireless LAN controller running iOS XE that has the HTTP or HTTPS server feature enabled and exposed to the internet is vulnerable. Now, I know what you're thinking. It would be insane for a service like that to be exposed to the internet. Surely, all customers are using private and inaccessible VLANs for management, right? Zero trust in all that. <laughs> well, ah, ah, you're funny. Well, no. On Monday the 22nd, the Shodan search engine showed that as many as 80,000 internet-connected devices could be affected. Which, if you're doing the math at home, is 80,000 too many. For that reason, Talos... Uh, Cisco's security ninja arm recommends that even if you think you don't have any iOS XE on your network, you should just go ahead and double check. And they provide a super helpful curl script to do it. Hmm. Also, should go without saying, update your stuff. 
there are new, new, new updates that are just recent, recently made available. Hopefully they patch the issue. Fingers crossed. But also get your management interfaces off the public internet. Lightning round. Oxide Compute receives 44 million from Intel. Oxide Computer is a hardware startup looking to deliver private cloud computing at the rack level. The team at Oxide wrote their own custom firmware, networking stack, and management software for their private cloud solution. The hardware uses white box components and the whole solution ships as one or more pre-configured racks. By using rack level design, the Oxide team was able to remove the need for in intra-rack cabling. The racks themselves feature a sled type architecture reminiscent of what a blade chassis was meant to do. Simply slide in a compute sled and you have power, networking, and storage connected. Internally, they are using several Intel components, which may help explain Intel's participation in the Series A round that just closed. The round also coincides with the first set of customers receiving their Oxide Cloud Computer racks. The team behind Oxide Computer is pretty cool, and they use Rust to program virtually everything in the stack, so I'd keep an eye on them to see how their all-in-one model develops with this new infusion of cash. It is. It's pretty cool. They even, they even built their own Switch. They built their own Switch, Chris. Who does that? Those guys, apparently. That's what I'm saying. All right, that's it. We're done. Bye. <laughs>